Welcome to the second season of the Vocarte podcast. My name is Samantha Vocarte, and I am very excited to finally be back and doing this on a regular basis. You know, I had planned to launch this season back in January. It is now May. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes even the good stuff gets delayed. And for the past few months, we've been hitting some roadblocks. Um, I took another ride on the Rona coaster, uh, which was round three, I think, at this point. And then was down with two stomach flus and a respiratory flu. And you know what? There's just no way you want to do anything creative when you're that sick. Oh, boy. Things I don't need to do again. Um, we also had a book project come out. Uh, it was something I'd worked on with some co-writers last spring that went to publication. And we've, as a team, just been really excited about promoting that. My publisher sent a, a whole palette of books to my house. And when you can hold something that you've written in your hands, you kind of just forget about everything else. <laughs> it was like it was like giving birth to a book. It was fabulous. Um, third, I had equipment malfunction and like all of these weird roadblocks kept popping up that were slowing this down. Even trying to get this recorded today hit some roadblocks. So I think that... I think that perseverance is just going to be the name of the game and praying because this is something I've been wanting to really get out into the airwaves for a while. You know, I threw so many different themes and topics for this season against the wall and none of them felt right until now. Um, they didn't feel right because they weren't right. I think that sometimes the thing God is working out in you personally is the thing you're looking for professionally. And that was the case with this episode and honestly, this entire season. Um, I had jotted down a lot of ideas before this one, and this came along as I was working through stuff with the Lord. So I want to go back into my history for a bit. You're going to get to know me a little bit better. Um, I grew up in a fairly conservative homeschool environment. Yes, I was homeschooled. Judge not. My parents are amazing humans, and they did a fantastic job as both parents and teachers, and they did not bribe me to say that. It is 100% true. My siblings and I got great educations. We had good friends. We played sports with kids in the local area. We were very healthy, college-educated humans by the time all was said and done. You know, there were only a few things I would have changed about my childhood. And those things involved exposure to certain people who either weren't emotionally safe or they were people who carried a lot of legalism and fundamentalist Christian theology. Um, I probably shouldn't call it theology. It's actually doctrine. It's not coming from the Bible, it's coming from man. So I was exposed to a lot of fundies, uh, that's slang for fundamentalist. And these are people who had erroneous legalistic theology. I, I was around them for probably the first 14 years of my life. Now it is expected to run into fundies when you are in a homeschool environment, but my home was nothing like that. My community was. And as a child who had a tendency to be fearful and therefore more compliant, I absorbed a lot of the rules that they lived by. Okay, so what does this have to do with art and Jesus? Kind of everything. So the first church I remember attending was a Bill Gothard-inspired church. Um, this is I'll call this church number one. If you ever want to go down a dark bunny trail that leads to really bad places, Google Bill Gothard. My parents were new Christians. This is one of the first churches they came to. And we didn't stay too long, thank the Lord. Um, my dad had the discernment to pull us out. So at this church, true to Gothardite form, they didn't believe in drums. 
because drums were of the devil. That is a true story. Drums, African musical influence, or any repetitive beat, or songs that didn't have a clear ending. I don't even know what that means, but they were absolutely not allowed in the music we listened to. Not just like music in church, music we listen to. I think that rock music in that camp is considered like of the devil. It's just, it's so intense. Um, it's ironic because every guy I liked in high school happened to be a drummer. <laughs> I don't know if that was like a subconscious rebellion on my part, but I actually love the drums. So if you were going to see music or listen to music, um, it had to come out of hymnals and piano was like the sole instrument, maybe a guitar if you were getting funky with it, but it was very like, a, it was a short list of things that you could listen to. Most of the songs I grew up singing in church were actually about obeying the first time I was told without question or emotion. I am serious. A few days ago, my brother and I were talking about the lyrics we grew up singing. And we were like, you know what? This is absolutely horrific when you hear it out loud. Like, this is brainwashing. What is this? And, you know, again, this is not how my home life was. It was just what was going on in the community around me. And I was a little fearful sponge who just wanted to obey the rules and be a good girl. Films were heavily censored with the exception of violence. So we could watch violent movies, but foul language and anything of a sexual nature had to be cut out. And I absolutely have no problem whatsoever with like holding those things back from children. I don't think that kids need to be seeing that stuff. But if you're going to censor handholding from movies, you know, maybe don't also have decapitations in there. Just, just saying, you know, dance was not involved or uh, allowed in, in church one. In my second church that we went to, uh, it was, they incorporated ballet or worship dance into holiday services like Christmas or Easter. Um, unfortunately, I was not good at those dances. I desperately wanted to be, but there were tiny petite girls in that church who actually took ballet. And I was a muscly Italian girl with legs like a tree trunk by the time I was 10. So it was a little hopeless. That church also did plays, and I did throw myself into that because I loved theater. In high school, we had switched churches again. Church number two was kind of um, kind of dying on the vine, which happens sometimes in upstate New York. So we had switched churches. Um, my friends were actually listening to more contemporary music and watching movies for occasionally someone said a bad word. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> you know, I eventually got into dance and discovered that I was actually good at Latin, um, despite church number one trying to squash any sense of percussion out of me, I actually had a rhythm. So there we go. And I think that they would be horrified to hear that I learned to bachata dance in a basement nightclub that specialized um, in Latin and they served $5 margaritas to those of us who are not underage. I'm pretty sure I'd be excommunicated for that one. And I'm not mad about it. So while all of this was going on, my parents made a point to share a colorful, fun, vibrant life with us. They love the Lord. Um, they also love culture. So we traveled a lot and we were pretty consistently surrounded by the sounds and the art of the Caribbean because my father fell in love with the islands. We also had the rich culture of my own family. Um, I grew up listening to opera. I grew up you know, reading Italian books. My parents also liked to play the music that they grew up with. 
So I was one of the youngest people at the Doobie Brothers concert. And the entire time I was asking my parents neurotically, like, are you sure I can't get a secondhand high? Because there were so many hippies in their 60s um, smoking all sorts of things. And I'm just like, are you sure I'm safe? (laughs) I was still a little bit, um, still a little bit frightened. I definitely had that spirit of fear. I did not get a secondhand high, by the way. And I'm really proud of my parents because they never struggled with balancing their love for Jesus and enjoying simple things like art, culture, music, good food, and a sense of curiosity. They never squashed that. The church did. So this is the part where I say, I wish I listened to my parents more. And my mom knew this day would come. You are right, mama. When I say the church, um, please understand that I'm not talking about the entire bride of Christ. I'm talking about the fundamentalism that I grew up underneath. And back in the 90s, that was that was pretty big. Uh, I willingly gravitated towards the legalism and the rigidity and the rules because I thought that's where Jesus was. If something felt too raw or emotional, uncontrolled or human, I would just back right up because that's how legalism works. Like you don't sing about how some man broke your heart or your human emotions. If you are a Christian artist in that camp, you sing about either the glory of God or how desperately wicked we are. That's it. If you are a Christian author in that camp, you write about how to obey rules by making more rules. You don't write stories about relationships, interpersonal conflict, or the dark stuff that encroaches on our life. And again, this is not all Christian authors. This is just the camp where a lot of my friends and I were growing up. Fashion was never discussed, ever, unless to tell you that your uh, shorts were too short or that your neckline was a little bit more than three inches from your collarbone. So no one ever talked about making beautiful clothes for the glory of God. Makeup was minimal. Hair, I'm going to be honest, it looked like Mormon hair. If you've ever seen fundamentalist Mormons, that's what our hair looked like. Um Dance had to have those those streamers with the matching leggings and movies, again, were highly censored unless someone was getting drawn and quartered by the British. Then it was all guts and glory. Other races were rarely represented. And if they were, it was not in the best light because legalism, fundamentalism is a very narrow box. It doesn't look like the ecclesia of Christ. It looks like a very tiny one shade box. So I sat in that box because I thought that's what good girls did. That's how it was communicated to me. But I figured out after my teen years that there wasn't really anything good in that box. I certainly couldn't find the Lord. So the first time I saw my friend Mike dance in worship, I was in absolute awe. It happened when he was at the back of a a sanctuary while I was speaking. And the worship was playing. And all of a sudden I see this guy break out into hip-hop dance and I'm just like oh my gosh because it was so free and beautiful and it was like nothing I'd ever seen before you could just see him and how he loved Jesus by watching him it was not like a it wasn't distracting it was inspiring so he's going to be on um, the podcast coming up next so I hope you stay tuned for that His, his story and his heart is just beautiful Hearing hard stories and seeing people that I know and love write books that are gritty, they are real, and they show the heart of the Father in the threadbare parts of our lives. That's where I see God's glory shine. 
And so often those stories are open-ended. They don't have a nice wrap up to them. They are just open and bare and raw. Like so many of us are, especially in a post COVID world. Do you know that in fundamentalism, medical conditions like depression are considered solely spiritual issues that you need to fix on your own. Anger is the worst thing you can ever feel, especially if you are a woman or a child, even righteous anger. Only men are allowed to get angry. If you were a woman, you were never expressed those feelings. And I'm confused because Jesus got angry and Jesus loved the women around him. He loved the kids around him. Jesus wrestled with grief and issues of mental and emotional wellness matter to him. I don't understand why they can't be represented in our art. Why can't we say, ouch, this hurts? Or even, father, this sucks and I can't hear you right now. Why can't we be real in our humanity while honoring his divinity at the same time? And so this season, we feature some artists who are incredibly real in their art and have gone through some very real hardships to get where they are. That certainly was not my intention. When I started this season, it just happened that way. As I'm processing with the Lord what it means to lay down the laws of man, to pick up a life with and for God, I'm turning towards art and words to at least document this process. I hope you will feel inspired to strike out and try something new creatively, even if it just means that you turn on the radio and bust a move to something that has some drums in it. All right. We've got a lot of work to do this season. I love you. Uh, let's do this.